I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. here for a weekend update for the week ending Friday, May 22, 2020. There's definitely stuff on the board. There's stuff from a technical perspective. There's stuff from a common sense perspective. We've got to look around the horn because we've got divergences and we've got leading indicators. What we're going to do today is pick apart the market, go under the hood, unpack everything we can, look at as many charts as we can to get the clearest picture of what the puzzle is telling us. We'll also take a look at some exchange-traded funds to drill down into the sectors within the S&P 500 or that make up the S&P 500 to get also another perspective of what's going on under the hood. These are the things that are important because gaining an understanding of all this stuff allows us to put more pieces to the puzzle together and guess what we get the picture of what's coming next sooner than later what's jumping off the page on the daily chart well i gotta tell you what's jumping off the page is not only the fact of what they've been doing over the last several days so we've had this move higher and they've basically been eating time off the clock building energy for what building energy for another move higher underneath the moving averages. That's a bullish perspective of what the market is actually doing. Is there a bearish perspective of the same thing? Because two people can look at the same exact tape and see two entirely different outcomes. That is, by definition, what makes a market. But here it is. The other perspective, the bull case is they're building energy to make a move higher. The bear case is, the other perspective is, they can't get through even the 100 period moving average and ultimately they'll fail if they can't get through. By the way, that is true. It's what you believe the market is actually doing in preparation for the next move that's the important component. So a bull case is the market's preparing to go higher, it's building energy, consolidating underneath the moving averages. The bear perspective is, Look, they can't even get through the moving averages. They're ultimately going to fail. So that's a little bit of projection as opposed to understanding that more times than not, significantly more times than not, using the 80-20 rule, when the market just eats time off the clock and can't go down. That's the other thing that you have to note. It tried to go down a bunch of times and came right back up. It can't go down. It's coming right back to the same place. It's going sideways. So that tells at least this analyst that it's higher probability that they're building energy for another move higher. Given every opportunity to go down, they could have went down in the middle of the night when nobody was looking. We know that story. The futures could have been stolen by thieves in the night. They could have went down first thing in the morning. They could have went down in the middle of the day. One day they tried to kill him into the close. They could have kept going. They had every opportunity to go lower and they kept coming back. Why is that? That tells me the fact that they kept coming back tells me that they have yet to reach the final destination on this particular leg of the bigger picture rally off the lows from the 23rd of March projecting out a little bit once they reach the final bigger picture destination they'll have a bigger picture type of correction as opposed to what's been going on from the lows on the 23rd so we've had these pullbacks these are not corrections 
These are very short-term pullbacks. Almost all of them look the same. After reaching final destination, wherever that may be, maybe it was Friday, maybe it's a week from now, maybe it's two weeks from now, whenever that is, we'll see a bigger corrective move, bigger than the pullbacks that we've seen to date. What's our line in the sand? It's going to be the same line in the sand we had before. We're going to use the high of 294.24 of this particular breakdown candle. They closed below at one time, came right back. The market cashed in a mulligan, and they continue to trade above. So getting below, closing hourly first, and then certainly daily below that number, 294.24, is a red flag situation for the market. Here's a 15-minute chart. I think this is important to realize. We're realizing that, or at least trying to realize, whether or not that number is important from an intraday perspective. And you'll see here, the low in this candle here toward the end of the day with about a half hour left happens to be 294.25. Now, who thinks there are many accidents or coincidences in terms of the market and what the numbers are that the market finds important to actually have a trend change? Trend changes happen from a very short-term perspective. Trend changes happen from a very longer-term perspective. Here, in the afternoon, the market tries to make a run-up but fails. So it starts to come back down. It comes back down all the way to the point. Now, keep in mind, the market's up here at a high right here at 295.45. Comes all the way back down to 294.25. Doesn't seem like much when you look at it like that. But let me put it in a different perspective. It's about 12 S&P handles just to run a test of what? 294.24. So what happened after that? It was a successful test and the market had somewhat of a jam session into the end of the day. Here's one of these awareness things. Whatever the cause, whatever the reason, whatever the excuse doesn't matter. Price is an absolute. They bought them up into the end of the day as opposed to floating them sideways or selling them off into the end of the day. You can't look at that as a negative, especially going into the end of the day into a three-day holiday weekend. If more traders thought there was risk over the weekend of a gap down on Monday, they would have sold them. Not to say there can't be. Of course, there can be a gap down, not Monday, but Tuesday. But here, we're just talking about what's in front of us and what the probabilities are based on common sense stuff. We're not saying they're definitely going up on Tuesday because they closed them strong on Friday. What we're saying is that they had every opportunity, if they wanted to, to sell them off into the end of the day on Friday. However, instead, they turned around. It's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. These are all things that we put into the bucket of what the hell is going on. What happens when we look at an hourly chart? What do we see? We see something slightly different. Now, I look at a short-term chart and I say, hey, they jammed them up into the end of the day. Fine. I look at an hourly chart and I say, did anything really happen to change the scope of what the hourly chart looks like? Not so much. What's the story? There's two stories on the hourly chart. A, they've got to get above the 20-period moving average, which they haven't been able to do. If they do, they'll likely make a run for at least the breakdown candle high that comes in where? Just short of 297. That'll sound familiar. We've been talking about it all week long, specifically inside the numbers. 
So it's no wonder that you have a breakdown candle high that comes in at 296.80. And in order for the bulls to get anything going, they need to begin closing hourly above 296.80, period, full stop. So think about this for a second. You're a trader. I'm a trader. He's a trader. She's a trader. Where is the trade under this scenario? Let's go through a couple of instances. One thing we know is we've got to look at a variety of charts to find out if, in fact, there actually is a trade. So here, we know we're into resistance, at least it has been, in terms of the 20-period moving average. Getting above should send the market up to the breakdown candle high and potentially higher, but that would be the first area of overhead resistance. What do I find on a 15-minute chart? Well, here's what my eye jumps to. A, we're right into another moving average, and B, we've had all these pivot highs here, at least these interim highs, and the market has not been able to get through this general area. So, if the market begins closing at least short-term candles through this area, then we know one thing. We know that the probabilities just shifted in the direction of going where? higher to the breakdown candle high. If a market's able to eat its way through one particular area, whether it's on the upside or the downside, it's doing what? It's simply going to the next area of overhead resistance or support in the other direction. But I don't have any kind of confirmation on this chart that it's getting through this area. All it did was run a test back up to this area at the end of the day on Friday. Could certainly be rejected. So at this particular spot, and forget about the fact that it's at the end of the day or leading into when the market opens on Tuesday, let's just assume this is normal garden variety trading throughout the day in terms of where the market is into this resistance area. A trader could say, hey, I'm going to bet they're not going to get through here, so therefore I'm going to short the market until and unless they begin closing short-term candles above this zone above some of these pivot highs up here. Where are they? They happen to be just short of 296. So I would say if the market is going to close short-term candles above 296, I've got to pitch this trade. It's a cut and run. That's, of course, if I'm on the short side of the trade. In the same breath or in the same vein, you'd have to say, well, in order to do that, I want to be able to short the market as close to 296 as I can. Plan B, let's look at it from another perspective. Let's say the market jumped over 296 or it got through 296 and it began closing short-term candles, 5-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute, that type of stuff, above 296. Then what do you think the story is? What was once resistance will become support and vice versa. So therefore, as long as the market continues closing above 296, it would be doing what? Let's go to another videotape, another chart. Remember what's above. It would be running to make a test of 296.80 or higher. Now, there's a couple of scenarios that take place. Here's scenario one. The market closes above, let's just say that this line is 296. Market closes above 296, immediately goes right for 296.80 in a matter of minutes or sooner. That happens all the time. In that scenario, the higher probability trade, because you're unlikely to catch it on the way up, the higher probability trade may be waiting for them to get to 296.80, and saying, hey, I'm going to challenge the market to close above here, at least on the first run. 
I'm going to take a scalp trade at 296.80, 296.90, 297, and I'm going to challenge them to close short-term candles above there. That's item number one. There's another scenario. The market closes above 296, but it doesn't run right up there. Instead, it continues running tests. It goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, yet every single short-term candle closes above 296. What's it doing? It's building energy to run up to 296.80. Could you trade that on the long side? And the answer is, sure you can. Why not? And keep in mind, this is for day trading as I'm explaining it here. However, what if we were talking about this on a daily chart or a weekly chart? What would that be? That would be a swing trade. Even on an hourly chart, it's more like a swing trade because it may play out over one day to the next on an hourly chart or longer. Something that's taught in the Lazy E-Mini Trader course is this. All charts act and react the same way the magnitude of the moves and the timing is different depending on which chart you're looking at some of you might have got a twinge of one of those little tiny aha moments good while you're thinking about that we're going to head over to inside the numbers and just check out what happened in terms of the commentary before the day started and throughout the day So here's a reminder. Yesterday, the market was making a bearish type of pattern all day long. That was prevalent inside the numbers. So what happened? Overnight, they did the deal. They went all the way down to the big fat round number of 2,900 in the futures contract. And then what? The morning rescue operation begins. Why do they do that? To screw over the people that held puts thinking they were going to get paid on Friday morning. Instead of getting paid, what did they get? You know the answer, a pie in the face. And I know the bears are hitting the thumbs down button right now, but think about this for a moment. Don't you get sick and tired of hearing that over and over and over again? And it's not because I say it a lot. It's because I say it a lot as a result of the fact that it happens a lot. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to say it a lot. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Let's see what else we got as the morning started to unfold. We want to talk about some awarenesses early in the morning. What's the setup for the day? The setup for the day can be technicals only, and there can be other stuff going on. It's a three-day holiday weekend, so an awareness is not only that they took a big trip down south, and then they bounce right back. A, they can go back down south, but also... Why do they continue the rescue operation? They keep coming back. That's what we talked about at the onset of this video. And it's certainly an awareness in the morning. We have to get a read on whether or not they're going to kill the market in the open or it's going to be a normal garden variety shakeout. And if that's the case, we can put a trade on the table. By the way, we can put a trade on the table either way. We just want to know what the highest probability thing is. If it's going to be quiet and they're going to hold certain figures, certain numbers that we'll see later on, then we know that we have something to trade against and we can take a trade to the long side. If there's going to be a resistance area, we know we can take a trade to the short side. We have something to trade against up north. As long as we have something to trade against, we're good to go. So we want to wait for the shakeout, and therefore, let's see what happens as the morning continues to unfold. A couple of numbers pop off the screen. I put them on the page. 29.96, 29.31. That's right out of the gate. Now we're saying staying above 29.30 is a small shakeout. 
starting to get below, that's no good. As long as we stay above, I'm going to consider that a shakeout. Who are they shaking out? They're shaking out the Johnny-come-latelys. They're shaking out the FOMO players. We have some other awarenesses on the board. I urge you to read these notes. I'm not going to read you everything. I'm going to scroll up and let you start and stop the video at your leisure and read the notes if you're interested in how this works. Can this benefit you through the trading day? If you're active through the trading day, the answer is yes, it can. So 10 o'clock, the first 30-minute candle under the belt and the writing is starting to appear on the wall. It's quiet. We're leading into the holiday weekend. We knew that early on. Below the low of day, that's going to be the bogey. That's trouble for the bulls. And the bulls will have to work through SPY 295 to get anything going in the northern direction. So let's see what we've got on the board. Here's the futures contract. Let's see what happened right out of the chute early in the morning. As you can see, and you know the routine, everything to the right of the vertical line is Friday's activity. Here's the 935 candle. The market opens at 2941.75. 2930 was the number you saw on the board, 3031, as low as 26, but we refined it to 30. And as long as they hold that, we don't want them closing below that. As long as they hold that, they're likely good, good to go. So we've got that. Now we switch over to the SPY, and we were talking about working its way through 295, but in the reality, They couldn't do it until the end of the day. They couldn't even work their way up to 295 for quite a while. Quiet day. The market was in what we like to call Friday float mode. And then, by the way, we also can classify this down candle at 3.30 in the afternoon as an afternoon shakeout. Let's continue scrolling along. How about this over in 10.19? No change They're not doing anything. As long as they stay above the low of the day, the bulls have a chance to take it the other way and run a test of SPY 294.60. So let's put in perspective when that was. 10.19 in the morning, here's the 10.10 candle. This is a five-minute chart. Here's the 10.15 candle. Here's the 10.20 candle. So we're watching it. The market puts in a little bottom here. You see what's going on. They're going to stay above. They're going to make a run. They don't quite get there. They don't get to 294.60. They come up a few pennies short and fall back. But they did make the run. And by the way, and we know when you treat this as a business, you're not waiting until they get to the actual number to exit the trade. You're exiting along the way. And this is just for learning purposes. It's not that any one particular trader took this trade or didn't take this trade. It's just the concept of as I'm describing what's going on and how you treat the situation from an inside the numbers member perspective. Maybe you're trading the S&P E-mini futures. Maybe you're trading the micro contracts where you might have several contracts. You're pulling them off one at a time or more than one at a time as the market goes higher. Allah, treating it as a business, taking profit along the way. And if you're left with the last piece to the puzzle, the last contract or the last number of shares after you've put profit in your pocket and they don't get to the final destination, guess what? You still can't lose. That's the way you run it as a business. Let's continue scrolling along. Nothing really happened until the end of the day, so I'll let you start and stop the video. Read the notes at your leisure. It's pretty much a mundane day, but here's another learning opportunity. Even though I said there wouldn't be much in the way of updates leading into the afternoon, 
About 15, 20 minutes later, I can't help myself. And you can read that at your leisure if you like to see what I was saying to the members at 1.15 in the afternoon. And then here's 2.22, which is the last post of the day. Looked like they were going to go higher. The conditions existed, so they did. And then they even went higher after that into the end of the day. But we know into the end of the day, it's a pick And as far as making that last little call, know when to fold them. Have a great weekend. Before we move away from inside the numbers, let's take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of the trades on Friday. HPE and YUMC. That's Yum China. Those were the two that hit their price objectives. OKE came close, and FL was a little bit of a rodeo at the open. It opened below. We're going to take a look at that chart because I know some traders took this trade right out of the chute. In fact, might as well start with that one. So here you go. The opening print of the day happens to be 2676. On the board you just saw, the entry was 2688. So if it's opening below, it's off the table. However, some traders take the trade anyway, they put an order in, it's filled at the open, and they end up getting a pretty good profit right out of the chute. You can see here in the five-minute chart, the high within the first 10 minutes of the day was 27.88. Okay, spent a lot of time on a no trade, but I guarantee you somebody learned something. How about HPE? Did this work out? No. Was it a loss? No. It didn't do anything. What did it do? It went to the destination and it hung out for a while. It gave you the trade if you wanted it, meaning a little tiny trade to get out. It never went near the stop. It was just a dud. So be it. It happens. Some days the market hands us fantastic trades. You almost feel like you're stealing from the market. Other days, you get a couple of duds on your hands. It just is what it is. You never know what the market's going to hand you on any particular day, which is exactly why we show up in uniform each and every day. You show up in uniform, you're ready to go. Here's YUMC, Yum China. So here's another lesson learned. So obviously the 4558 was a number. Again, it didn't really work. It gave you the bounce. It bounced right off the number on time. You could see here, it looked like it was reversing. Look at this five-minute chart. Looked like it was reversing. It was making a nice bullish pattern here. It played out, but it was too small. It ended up coming down. The stock got to a high of 45.92 after the bottom. So technically, it gave the trade. So I'm not going to diminish the trade, and I'm not counting it as a loss. That's not the point. I want to make a different point. This one just wasn't a great trade, but it certainly was an okay scalp trade, if for nothing else. But here's the deal. The stops are where they are for a reason. So a lot of traders don't understand that, and that's fine. You don't have to understand it until it's explained to you because there's a lot of different ways to run a situation in terms of stops. Some traders like to do a fixed amount, and what they typically do is they marry it to an amount they're willing to lose. Here's the only problem with that scenario. The market doesn't really know how much, nor does it care, how much you're willing to lose. So by the fact that you put it in saying, all right, I'm willing to lose 200 bucks on this trade maximum, whatever it is. And let's say that equates to 15 cents, whatever it is, whatever the stock is. And I put a stop under 15 cents, I get stopped out and I say, shit, the trade didn't work. Well, that's not really the case. What was 15 cents to you? It was maximum loss. What was 15 cents to the market? Market didn't care about 15 cents. Maybe the stop should have been something lower because the market would have a hard time closing below a certain number. And that's the way my stops are designed. 
Case in point, the stop on YUMC was 45.14. 45.14 was below a specific number. Look at the low in this candle here. The low was 45.11, and look at the type of bounce you got here. It's about a 1% bounce while the stock is in a downtrend. That tells you that something in and around that number was important. Just trying to point things out so that inside the numbers members gain an understanding of what the method to the madness is, some of the components to the method to the madness. None of this stuff is random, I can assure you. All in all, net-net, Friday's trades, crap. You take the good, the bad, and the ugly. And guess what? If this is what ugly is between these two trades and the one that didn't trigger at the open because it opened below, then I'll take bad. These just didn't work out the way that they're designed. So be it. We move on. Remember the 240 chart? Yeah, I threw a little short hop. We just went over to the 240 chart. Remember saying that really there's nothing wrong with this chart. It's just going sideways. And when it's going sideways after a move higher, which is this gap, then it's building energy for a move higher. It's the same as the daily chart, just stretched out a little bit because it's the 240 chart. So what's it doing? It's trading above three of the moving averages and right underneath beating on the fourth one, which is the 200 period moving average, which is what? It's the gateway that prevents the market from going higher before it runs higher to do what? Fill the gap at 302.46. That's the deal. That's what's going on here. What about the 120 chart? Does it look identical to the 240? No, it doesn't. It looks more like the hourly chart. This is a two-hour chart. This one, you can really see the same picture as the hourly chart until and unless you can get above this breakdown candle high, which is not the same as the hourly chart. This one's higher, but until and unless, and this is really puts the market on that track to go fill that gap. That's what the 240 chart is telling us. But this is still a bearish pattern, and if this plays out, you're going to revisit this pivot low down here Remember 291.95, and if you get below that, start closing hourly below that, you're going to have to come fill this gap, or at least they're going to start making an attempt to fill this gap. I shouldn't say have to. Nothing has to happen. Shame on me. But you see how when you look at it, a different chart from the last one you looked at, you can see something different. And I'll tell you this, when all charts are confirming, or a lot of charts are confirming the same thing, that thing is generally going to happen. But when you have divergences, you don't know which way it's going to go. And if you take a trade based on one chart, knowing that another one looks different, and by the way, if the one that looks different is a bigger time frame, then your trade was more of a guess than you want to believe that it was. What's the net-net out of that commentary? I'm more apt to believe the 240 chart and the daily chart over the 120 chart. Not to say the 120 can't play out, and then the 240 and the daily can't play out. They can both play out. Market could go down and go right back up. It's been doing that. Just trying to put this thing in perspective, and you know the routine. Once you take a trip inside my head, put the galoshes on. What's the IWM daily chart telling us? Camp IWM, that is. Well, it's not telling us lower, right? Everything's pointing in a short-term uptrend to challenge this pivot high up here, which is 136.85. Same routine as the SPY finished basically near or at the high of the day. It's trading above its breakdown candle high. Same routine, same story, move it along. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Anything to see here? Same routine, 
move it along. In fact, they've basically been eating some time off the clock for a couple of days. Once they got back above those moving averages, what were those moving averages? They were part and parcel to the rope-a-dope, making traders think that the market was headed into the abyss. Same story, different chart, move it along. How about the folks out in Silicon Valley? What was Thursday, a one-day wonder? Or is Friday just a retracement of the reversal candle? Well, let me give you this food for thought. You're way above all the moving averages, so maybe a little bit extended, but still in a bullish position nonetheless. What else did they do? They filled a gap. Where's the gap? Right here at 227.66. What was low of day? 227.50. That's a garden variety Run them down to fill the gap, reverse them, finish at the high of the day. I can't look at that as negative. I look at Thursday as a one-day wonder until and unless the market goes lower. And then I'll say I was wrong and that was just a retracement of the reversal candle. I'm going with the cues are bullish. If I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected. I don't have a problem with that. What's going on with the XLF? We know without the financials, the market's not going to get very far in one direction or the other. The financials were basically treading water most of the day, back and forth, chop shop formation. And check this out. No accidents, no coincidences. Where does the 20 period moving average come in? 21.91. What was the closing price of the day? 21.92. Accident or coincidence or shenanigans? It's not really shenanigans. They had an opportunity to close the market wherever they wanted, below or above. They chose above. Take it for what it's worth. Put it in the bull column. It may be just a very small component, a very small puzzle piece, but it's in the bull column nonetheless. Smash Mouth, anything wrong with Smash Mouth? What jumps off this page at me? I'll tell you what. They went down to fill the gap and they came back and guess what? They finished above Thursday's close. That's not bearish. That's not necessarily all out bullish. But what it does say is, as long as they stay above Thursday's close, they're going to want to do what? Run back up to test what? The high or near the high of that breakdown candle from Thursday. That's just the way the market works. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? And that without you, these videos are not possible? I know early on I said we were going to cover some ETFs. I ran out of runway on this one. We'll do it another time. I'm going to pull the ripcord here. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My strategic forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.